Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to Knife Talk, podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and everybody else. You don't have to be a knife maker to listen to this podcast. We do it all. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We're here to bring the noise, ladies and germs. We're going to ha- have some good times, and how's everybody? Mareko, how the hell are you? Oh, man. I've been jamming clams, man. Um yeah, those clams turned out real good Jam- from last Whoa. week. Hey, yo. <laughs> uh, yeah, they turned out real good. We got them Did fried they? up. Oh, yeah, dude, they're so good. Uh, yeah, I got them fried up. Um, wait, oh, one of the things I forgot to bring up to the cabin was mayonnaise, <laughs> which is so stupid. But I do have all the stuff to make my own homemade mayonnaise, so I just did that. Uh, but I pumped up the, the lemon and garlic content uh, and... Had a nice dip for the uh, for the clams, clammy clams. Uh, otherwise, we've just been hanging here at the cabin. I took the kid yesterday out on, uh, I think, a, probably a total of about two and a half, almost three miles of hiking around. Uh, so he was pretty worn out by the end of the day, which sometimes can be a good thing. Sometimes can be often can be a bad thing because he's just so tired at the end of the day. He's just nothing. Nothing goes smooth, but it went smooth. We got lucky. Yeah. Um, this morning, I just actually recorded the uh, the Artisans of Steel podcast with Henning Wilkinson. We had a really good conversation. Um, the The internet coming out of South Africa, uh, the the connection's not super great, but we still had a great chat. Um, there's a lot of good takeaways from um, from the conversation. He uh, he's an interesting dude. He comes from a uh, background of gunsmithing and and like hustling since he was seven years old i think he said was the earliest uh he was working on a like a ma- machinist slave doing work 
<laughs> with mm, the family. Wow. Uh, so he got started young. And, um, but a lot of South Africans, like they're hardworking, hustling, like doing, like working two or three different jobs or like have two or three different side hustles where they're like, I met this guy once a few years back when my wife was in, uh, teaching in South Korea. He was from South Africa and he, uh, I think he imported wine, but he also sold cell phones and then he had some other side business too. And it was super weird, interesting, but yeah, they're just, they're getting there. All of them are getting after it, but he's a super good dude. He's so insanely talented. Uh, it was really nice to get to know him because I've only really met him uh, one time at Blade Show. We keep in contact through social media. Um, but other than that, um, we never really have like had an opportunity to sit down and chat and kind of get uh, to know each other and, and our backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it was a good chat. What have you been up to, Craig? I have been putting the final touches to my studio. And I'm, I'm in. I'm in the studio as we speak. Nice. Um yeah, I'm really pleased. I've got all the podcasting stuff, all my recording stuff, all set up. There's no longer, you know, 10 minutes before the show, trying to plug everything in, trying to find a cable. Everything is here permanently. Nice. Um, and it feels good. It's comfortable. It's well lit. It's, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So I'm, I'm a happy boy. That's great. When do you invite Harry Styles mm. to come over and do some recording? Uh, he'd steal my clothes. That's the problem, you know, you know the kind of stuff he wears. He'd be all over my shirt. Oh. <laughs> he would be, yeah, yeah. So, um, so no, it's good. It's as I say, it's nice to have just you know a permanent place for stuff. And you know, I've got all my little sort of knickknacks in it. It's a bit, it's a bit of a man cave, really, you know. And um, yeah, loving it. Loving it. So I've been here all day, all literally all day, and um, it's great. There's no um, windows here, so you can't see like sunlight or anything. But um, I quite like that. That's it good. Feels yeah, it feels good. No distractions. Feels... Can't have exactly. distractions. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Jeff, what's been going on? It's been a lot of work, as always. Uh, we're, I'm st- I have a, I said in the last episode that I have this doer that I got in the beginning of January, and we're trying to see how long it lasts. I was told 60 to 90 days is, is, a, is a good amount. So we're, we're approaching 60 days, and we just finished heat treating and cryoing another 14 knives so we've got like 89 knives we've done in this one wow. in this one doer so i've been really trying to maximize you know heat treating is awesome and it's interesting and it's fascinating but it's also like it can be not as time consuming so it's mm. it's especially with stainless but one thing i've noticed which is i've been using um I've been using a Laren Thomas's book, Knife Engineering, and using his recipe for AEBL. You don't have any set points. You know, there's a lot of like, 440C and other stainless steels. You have these like set points where they want you to soak it lower temperatures for a while. So, mm. you know, soaking, you know, doing a, one batch of 440C can take longer because you have another maybe 25 minutes or 30 minutes of soak time at different temperatures, and then the ramp rate's different. Right. So AEBL goes direct to 1925. So you can you can because there's no other set station you know stops, you can just like ram them through. So I I did uh, yesterday was like a record, and I, I he treated 15 knives in just in the morning. It was it was awesome, wow. and they all came out great. And I cryo them all, and you know AEBL is now becoming my favorite steel to work with. It's just 
easy to work with. The heat treatment is really good. It, I'm getting the same results as 440C in terms of hardness, in terms of production. But the grinding is a lot easier, and the hand sanding is a lot easier, and, and I'm ending up with like a better product for the for the job for the business. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Feel, uh, it's cool. Sixty to ninety days on that tour. Is it was it a new tour? Um, I don't know how new it was. Uh, I got okay. it from. I see. There's some salty residue left over from its previous owner, I which mean, is oh why boy. it's holding the cold. In. Before you, before you <laughs> keep going, I got it from Rick Dunkerley. So if that's any indication of, of what you had to say, then I'm with you know. Listen, that's what you had to say. But uh, when I brought it to the when I, I told you guys this when I went to the they wouldn't let me originally when I called up they said we are you from a restaurant we don't want you using. We're not selling liquid nitrogen to restaurants yeah. because, you know, everyone's doing that stuff where they're throwing, you know, they're throwing liquid nitrogen. I guess it's not food safe. This particular type of liquid nitrogen isn't food safe. So they're very hesitant to, like, get involved. Everybody's watching, you know, Bobby Flay and all these guys hitting it, everything up with a liquid nitrogen to make ice mm-hmm. cream. And they're just like, I don't know. I said, no, 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 I'm not. I don't do that. So when they saw my doer, they said it's pretty well insulated. So we'll see. I'm, I'm you know, look, it's it's very interesting. The, doing I, the job nice it's doing re- the job i remember you saying a while back that you like for a while obviously you've preferred for 440c over abl and i wonder what's changed either in the process or or what for the abl to be um more amenable to work with now for you it's that's a great question and a lot of it had to do with my own fear and hmm, I okay. got a load of it a while ago, years ago, like maybe even six years ago, seven years ago. And I was just not getting good results. And it might have been a bad batch. It might have been, there have been a lot of things that were involved. And I was even on the phone with uh, Aldo Bruno and, and those guys in regards to what I was doing. And it, my thermocoupler could have been a little bit out of whack. And hmm. they weren't getting hard. And then when it came down to it, you know, they said, well, you know, cryo is going to be a big factor in, in your in your thing. So you can either go get some liquid nitrogen or you can get, you know, dry ice. And the, it's the same place. And I got to go like almost an hour, you know, 45 minutes away to get it. So I did it once. It was very expensive. And it just seemed as though if I can't make the cryo work, then I just and I can't, you know, do the AEBL as well without the cryo, then I don't want to do it. You know, it just seemed like it was a lot of the co- the cost benefit wasn't really working, and I was having so yeah. I have great success with it, 440C. I'm like that stuff is like bang on. I never have a problem with it, and it just seemed as though the the juice was worth the squeeze, as they say. So I kind of stopped with the ABL, and then yeah, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I th- I just every so often I try to kind of like read, you know, try to little experiments with things and. I was getting good results and then more and more and I buy a couple sticks of, you know, AEBL and I was having better results and then I was fine tuning it and then I was getting it down. So it was, it then became a point of, it then became a point of, well, is cryo is going to be part of this business and am I, can I, you know, as some, and my old boss used to say amortize, can I amortize the, the cost of the liquid nitrogen? And I thought, well, let's give it a try. And, you know, so far, so good. And if I can get, like, if I can be economic with my time and energy and, and, and really get as much as possible out of it, it's going to turn into maybe, you know, $2 a blade. If I can get 100 knives out of one doer, right. then it's worth it. So For sure. it, it's all, it was all, like, it was all scheduling and shit like that. But it was, mm-hmm. 
Look, it's interesting. It's fascinating. A lot of guys do a cryo, and it's apparently, from when I said I paid like two hundred bucks for it, I got like my I got everybody and their neighbor called me up. So why does it cost so much? I'm like, Westchester County, baby. I'm in the north part of Westchester County. It ain't cheap. So no. that was good. But um, actually, I was thinking about. I was listening to a podcast this this morning. It was a news podcast, and they were talking about an item that I thought might be interesting to bring up to you guys because a lot of times we get a lot of questions about uh, social media and banning and words being banned and people saying, "I don't think I'm getting seen. I think I'm getting shadow banned." Stuff like that. Have either one of you heard of what Section Two Thirty is? No. No. Okay. No. Not a clue. Section 230 uh, of Title 47 of the United States States Code was uh, enacted as part of the Communications Decency Act of 1996, uh, which was a tele, uh, Telecommunications Act of 1996, which generally, pro- it, what it does is it provides immunity for website platforms with respect to third-party content. Now, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. So right now there's a Supreme Court case going on called Gonzalez versus Google which is a lawsuit that could shift the foundation of Internet law. It argues that tech companies should be legally liable for harmful content their algorithms promote. Mm. This case stems from the killing of a 23-year-old Naomi Gonzalez, a college exchange student who was killed by Islamic State gunmen in Paris in 2015. The Gonzalez family contends that the the recommending Islamic State-related content on YouTube, which is owned by Google, acted as a recruiting platform for the group in violation of U.S. law, aiding and abetting terrorists. Now, what they're saying is, so what Section 230 came in to protect these companies from being liable for stuff that was put up. So, like, you put up something offensive or something that's bad, they're not liable because you wrote it, not YouTube or Instagram. Yeah, they're just hosting your content, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what the what Section 230 uh, protects the platform against liability for most content contributed by third parties, which means that when individuals send defamatory tweets or posts inciting comments on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, their peers aren't held legally re- liable. So, so basically it's protecting YouTube and the social media companies from stuff that its users are putting up. Now, the interesting thing about this, what this Gonzalez versus Google point was, was they were saying, yeah, that's fine. You didn't put it up, and you know, ISIS put up these platforms. But your algorithms right. promoted on, if you like this, maybe you'll like this. Mm-hmm. And then the algorithms created a whole you know, playlist of all these you know, ISIS-related recruiting tools. Yeah. So what the lawyers were saying was, yeah, yeah, 230 doesn't cover this because your, your algorithms promoted this stuff. So yeah, what they, it, they didn't go looking for this. You pushed it upon them. Correct. So it's interesting because now it makes you think. So listening to the podcast was really interesting, and they were basically what they were saying is now, in, you know, these social media platforms have to either have to police the shit out of themselves because now there's the potential that they could be liable. Now this is still in front of the Supreme Court, so it hasn't yeah. really come to you know they haven't made a decision yet. But what it what it what it means is is. You know, they, they, what they said was these social media platforms have to learn how to either police themselves or let it be the Wild West and be, be you know, open to potential lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what it makes you think is, is that they're making, you know, they're shadow banning people because they're protecting their own, they're, they're protecting, you know, like Instagram was protecting themselves. 
from their algorithm from possibly promoting something offensive. Mm. Don't you think? Right. Poss- po- yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I think this is something that's gone on, you know, since sort of mid nineties. You know, the, you know, if you think of most content online now, it's not sort of journalistically sort of made. Right. It's made by by users. It's all user generated content. You know, even even the news that we see now, basically, it's fucking a social media right. network. The news now, isn't it? You know. They're even picking stories off off social network and just, For sure. just reposting them, basically. Um, so yeah, it, and it it is a case of you know the the big sort of the big three or big four, um, probably yeah, just trying to sort of defend themselves against that because as, as clever as we think they are, they've got no fucking idea what people are putting on, um, you know, and how quickly that can that can spread. You know, they, they, there's not there's right. not real people. You know, viewing people's tweets and and going through people's Facebook because they they, they simply wouldn't they have enough time. staff and they wouldn't have time exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, may, maybe that is the case. It's yeah, it's it's interesting the fact that yeah, nobody is actually as I say, nobody's actually creating content now. It's all user based stuff. So you know, in regards to who you know who owns it and you know, we talked last week about like, all all the AI stuff and how. You can get you know AI to generate content for you and all and that kind of thing, and you know p- people don't seem to realize that, that these companies will then own that content. So you know you may have generated it, and you think it's come from the ether and it and it's you know it's all completely it's completely yours, but it's not. It's theirs, and at some point these big companies are going to want their return on it. Um, so yeah, it's. Everything is changing as 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 it always does. But yeah, with regard to sort of content, who owns it, who's liable for it, it's it's a tricky one. But it's but what they're saying is, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, Mareko. What they're saying is is it isn't just who owns it; it's whether or not the algorithms are promoting it. And if their algorithms are promoting it, then Instagram. Let's just use Instagram. Then Instagram's promoting it. So. Then all of a sudden, then who's the the liability goes onto them because it's no, it's no longer they're promoting a particular thing. Yeah. What, what do you think, Bracco? Uh, I mean, I think that seems to make sense uh, that the platform would be liable for yeah the their algorithms promoting something that's not necessarily something they want to be doing. And I think that's part of, I honestly, I mean, I think that's part of their own transparency, or not, I don't know if transparency is the right word, but maybe their own due diligence to, instead of just writing a simple, well, quote unquote, simple program that just recognizes what's getting a lot of views or engagement and then pumping that up, maybe trying to be a little bit more thoughtful about what is that actual content and what is that about? That way, something like some like a group like isis can't use a, a massive platform like instagram or youtube or whatever to continue to grow and promote what you know the shitty things they're doing in the world um because well, then i was thinking sure, they about can bringing post this there, down too right they could post it there but then because it doesn't get any kind of promotion it just kind of goes there and dies there and it doesn't really go anywhere because because of what the actual content is not necessarily the data about engagement, but the, what the actual content is. I was thinking about this in terms of what our listeners sent us messages saying, 
I feel as though Instagram is is um, suppressing my my work because it's a knife or maybe or because they think it's a weapon or the because they think it's this or that or the thing or whatever I have guns or I have a this mm. or that and I feel as though that's the thing that brings it to our listeners which right. is yeah I mean obviously the, I I've, I have a problem with AI, frankly. And the more and I'm going to be talking to a lot more AI guys in the in the near, very near future. But it's like, you obviously, the funny thing is, is a lot of people who you know, if you're a knife maker, or let's just say, let's just stick with knife makers. If knife makers will say they'll post something on their stories, Instagram's suppressing suppressing my freedom of speech. This is there's no justice in in this private company. There's, this is not a justice situation. I mean, look at, you know, Elon Musk is creating new, uh, pl- you know, make, he's talking to his guys on Twitter to make sure that everyone sees his work. I mean, this is like we're talking about, you know, we're, we're not talking about freedom at all. We're talking about mm. people being, you know, you know, they're being suppressed for, for the reasons of making sure that they can cover their own ass. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the question of as a knife maker, maybe have some insight into, okay, well, this is the reason why that they're not, you know, my shit's not getting seen is because they're afraid that. So what do we do to make sure that we can kind of counteract that? And then these algorithms aren't, you know, like suppressing me and I can be promoted. I think we've kind of talked about it I before mean, in the way. There's not much you can do. That we just not solely relying or putting all your eggs in the social media basket of Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Uh, the newsletters is a great way. Doing shows is a great way. Um, to interact with your target audience. Um, I think also maybe not all your content needs to just be knives. You know, there are other ways to drive people to your page without it just being pictures of knives. Uh, I, I honestly, like, I feel like, especially in, in the early days of my Instagram, I was showing a lot of my process and sharing how I do things. And that by helping people, I, I had, there was like grassroots growth of a followership simply because it was a useful resource. But when you're just a picture gallery of finished work um, and that's all you have to promote, promote that, that I feel like that kind of stifles you in a way versus having a little bit more flexibility or kind of diversifying your content within your own page as to what potentially can still get out there and get people's attention to draw them to your page. And then they also see your finished work or they see that you have a newsletter or that you have a website or whatever you're going to be in an event. And that's a way that they could still get over and see what you got going on on Instagram, especially. But it depends on who you're, core customers are because they can a lot of times you can look at uh instagram page and it's like it's it's you know progress or making this or i'm welding up a jig or here's how i do this or here's how i do that sure and then they don't sometimes you know your joe schmo won't necessarily think that you sell anything they think that you're just like a kind of a content creator as opposed right to but that's where you're like creating product your cooking content comes in so nicely like it's engaging it's interesting and it's not like you're not or you're not like look at this knife this knife this knife it's 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 the 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 it's passively advertising the knife but you're doing something that's interesting um for people to watch and see and then and then maybe at the end or in the context or in sorry in the caption you say oh yeah i have another drop of these knives coming out in a few weeks make sure you're signed up for the newsletter well, it for me, it's for me completely. It's a whole. It's a. It's a. It's not one or the other because I do 
for years, I was having um, customers screenshot pictures of the knives that they liked, and then they would send them to the website to say, can you make me one of these? Mm -hmm. So like a good, a huge percentage of people knew what I was making, wanted something very similar to that, or show me examples, and that was the only way that they could do that. They weren't going to watch a reel and then screenshot, you know, from the reel. So, sure. like, you have yeah. to, for me, it had to be this a mix of, of these things. But at the same time, I'll tell you, speaking of this, is actually last week I had uh, Nick Rossi on Full Blast not too long ago, and he was talking about, he, we were talking about the idea, he had this idea that he wanted to do the delinquents workshop where they make nunchucks and they make brass knuckles <laughs> and they make butterfly knives. And I thought to myself, I want to make a friction folder butterfly knife. And then last week, last weekend when my family was away, I was going to do it. I was going to, I figured out what I was going to do. I figured out the sizing. I figured out I was going to do it. I was going to do a reel. And I wanted to make a friction folder butterfly knife. But I honestly believed that number one, butterfly knives, ballet songs are illegal in New York. I have too many friends in local law enforcement who would fucking give me trouble. And I also didn't want to be dealing with any problems that Instagram would give me, or I didn't want to be red flagged, or I didn't want to be marked in my businesses. Yeah. Very important that I don't, you know, it's the freedom of being able to do it is one thing, but also to understand the longevity of my business, considering I have other people working here. I can't really, I can't really make too many decisions that would affect my business, which would affect their lives. Yeah. And I think if, if, if you were to have done that and let's say, um, they decided to take it down for whatever reason, that's not, that's not the end of it. They don't just take it down. You're then on some sort of list, right? You know, you, you, right. you, you've been you've been marked. Um, That's what so I thought. Yeah, yeah, without doubt, without doubt. But I, I think it would have been I cool. Mean, it would be cool to see how you make a butterfly knife, a forged cool. butterfly knife. But I mean, would be cool. You know. Yeah, I think we we put too much emphasis on, and we always have really on this show on on in, on Instagram because um, it did so well for creators. I'd say sort of. Three four years ago, um, if you weren't on Instagram as a creator, you you were hugely missing out. Um, but I think I if I if I just think of people who I know outside of the knife making industry, people you know, pe genuine people in my life, genuine friends, family, and the rest of it. Not many of them are on Instagram, and I think it's easy to get into this bubble because we are on Instagram, and you know, other people in the industry, and we've made friends with people in the industry and on Instagram. But the reality is, you know huge huge majority of people aren't actually on instagram um so you know as Morocco said putting all your, your eggs in one basket is isn't a good thing but i also think that we may be sort of blinkered into thinking it's it's sort of bigger than it is um just because we engage so much with 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 you know people from all around the world and we've all got a, a similar sort of well there's a, let's face it there's a community which we're part of um, but with regards to people who are buying our knives, I think there's probably not that many on Instagram. Well, I mean, respectfully, I mean, when I anytime I do a uh, anything a story or anything, say get on the get on the newsletter, I'll get a message from Allison. Allison saying, "You just got 50 new people subscribing to the newsletter." So it's well, like you can't not you can't discount it completely. And I know oh, chefs no, no, who yeah. I know chefs who have built their entire restaurants off of social media. Mark Vetri, one of the great chefs in the United States, culinary uh, Italian food, he has really kind of built a following on Instagram. Same, And it's not a huge following, probably 100,000 followers or whatever, but like people follow what he does and they want to go to the restaurant. If you look at all these new 
influencers now. They're baking and creating, you know, helping restaurants because people are following. People follow this stuff. It's, you know, it's not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just this weird balance. It's, it's almost like you're in the water. Your nose is above the water. But these waves keep coming and they kind of keep pushing you under and you bring to the top. and It's good and bad. You know, you're, you're breathing air, but then you're breathing water. So there you go. Knife talk, ladies and gentlemen. You see? D- deep cuts on knife talk. Deep talk. Well, let's do a deep cut section. That's why some of these – I get messages from some of these other podcasters who don't like when I say what I say. But you got to get with the program, guys. This is number one for a reason. Okay? There you go. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Okay, we've got questions. Um, People send questions in to us at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Excuse me. Um, Chris Rosendahl has done exactly that. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, by the way. Uh, Chris Rosendahl, uh, question for the trio. Do you demagnetize your blades? If so, how um, and at what stage of the process? Jeffrey. I mean, the only, I don't, I, I feel like it means like if you grind enough, all of a sudden you build up some magnetic situation going on, but I don't really know about that. Mm. So... P.S. Deep cuts. You just created the new bit, so we'll do deep cuts. That'll be a new bit. I'll take care of that. Good job, Greg. We should take it in turns once a week. We bring in a a, a, deep cuts in the beginning. Deep Mm. cut each. Yeah. Deep cuts in the beginning. That's good. Nice job. Um, So the the, demagnetizer. I'm wondering whether he means you know with the heat treat whether you test with a magnet. I'm not quite sure what he means, but um, I (laughs) a funny story actually. I store all my my knives at at home on a magnetic knife rack on the wall. They've got this huge thing, and they're, they're all up there. And um, the amount of times I've put a knife down on something, and I pick it up, and there's something attached to it um, from where they're obviously being magnetized from their magnetic strip. You put it down, and whether they're, you know, like a, a silver tray or a metal tray or something like that, you go to pick it up, and the tray comes up with a knife. and it's, Yeah. But um, <laughs> I've never intentionally demagnetized anything, no. Uh, Morocco, yourself? Yeah, I I used to work out of a shop space where um, the maker who owned this space, every knife he would demagnetize. Uh, he wasn't. It wasn't really clear to me when it was developing um, a magnetic field and how, um, but he always did it. Um, but he also wasn't really doing a lot of culinary knives. He was doing more like hunters and bowies and stuff like that, um, which would maybe make sense because those knives are never going to go into a magnetic block. But a lot of knives, our knives, especially culinary knives, do get stuck onto some sort of magnetic block, um, and it, which completely negates the demagnetizing process um, because anytime the steel comes into um, proximity to a magnet, it helps to align those magnetic fields and, and it becomes more magnetic. Um, but you can, you can demagnetize them. I just, I never have, I've never concerned myself with it or never really heard any other maker talk well, about I'm it. I'm trying to think what the benefit would be. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh. I guess maybe through the finishing process, um, 
like to keep shit from getting stuck to it or accidentally picking things up. But once it's like it's clean and out of the shop, like hopefully it's not sitting on the floor of a shop somewhere on a sh- on the shelf of a shop somewhere where it could be picking up metal dust or something like that. Um, but I I think if you were to do it, you would want to do it probably um, just before your hand sanding portion. Um, and I will, I do notice. How would you do it? Well, there's like, there are these weird little machines. I don't know. They're de- I was just starting to look up demagnetizing steel. Um, but the shop that I was talking about earlier, they had like this little box and it was plugged into the wall and it created a field of some sort that demagnetized the steel. Um, but huh. you had to like slide the blade across it a couple times each side. And that was it. It was super quick. It didn't take much time. Um, but I do notice when I'm hand sanding my knives, you know, there is some of the, uh, the steel powder is kind of sticking along the edge or out of the tip or on the spine or whatever that always happens. But I'm, I'm never concerned about that level of magnetic, whatever quality in the steel. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. What, what's your opinion on, uh, those magnetic strips that you put people hang their knives on? I like the wooden ones. I like the the yeah, wooden ones are too. great because then it's not steel on steel, especially for my Damascus knives. Um, and even if it's mono steel, like this, the those magnetic bars that have the exposed metal uh, will still scuff up the blade. Um, and honestly, like I was looking at some of them closely at the the kitchen store that I do my sharpening out of, and even the nice ones that are like supposed to be really nice and kind of are, are kind of expensive. Like the strips that the magnets are laying between that run down the length of the bar aren't even perfectly level. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, but if you want to do that, that's fine. If you do it though, throw like a piece of packaging tape or something over the top of it to help protect the blades from the, from the metal, you will have to, or want to replace it every once in a while. But Maybe also just spend a little money and get a nice wooden one that you don't have to deal with that with. With like earth yeah. magnets or something. Yeah, yeah, rare, yeah, yeah you can rare. make them. Super simple. Just route out the back. Um, and you can even route out a full slot in them and just get um, like a sticky veneer over the top. Right. So it looks, yeah. it looks like wood. You can make them pretty cheap. Look at yeah. you. We're, yeah. we're, we're wood talk now. Fuck wood yeah, talk. fucking we, we A, can right? Do it all. We do it all. Jesus. Hey, Keith Johnson, we're after you, yeah, man. We're after you, Shop Sounds. We're Mitchell after you. Too. Both of the Keiths are like, oh, Christ. Keith Mitchell, too. Keith loves the show. Keith talk. Okay, Cody. Um, again, he's um, DM'd us on Instagram. Any tips on how to avoid the knife being ripped out of our hands when using the buffing wheel? Mm. Yes. Yes. I use a 2x4 with a clamp on it. Um, so you're well away from the uh, from the buffing thing itself. And um, it stops you having that sort of angle where it goes down below that point of no return where it's going to grip because it's much longer. Um, but also, your your hands are well away from it. You can't it can't slip over your hands. You can just clamp down to the two by four. Um, yeah, I've used one for a long time. I've never had an incident with it. So you know, it's cheap and it works. Sure. Um, you guys, do you, have you got any sort of method for stopping the knife being ripped out of your hands? What do you got, Jeff? What do you think, Brian? I think that I always, any type of those wheels, whether it's a wire wheel or it's a buffing wheel, I always think of I'm only using one small corner of it, almost like a quarter. Even actually when I use a a right-angle grinder, 
with like a wire cup, I'm only using a quarter of that of that uh, the circle. And mm. the other thing is is be very very aware of that heel. I mean, if you're having it, if you're if you're buffing your knife blade, you probably want to make sure that you're well 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 clear of anything that can hook. I like I've said this before, but we used to buff all this brass in uh, in this metal shop, and I used to fling shit across the room and tear these things Yikes. apart. I was like. And it was it was terrifying, and, and and it was because anything that you can catch, anything you could hook, is it just pulls it right out of your fucking hands. And it's like, I don't know, I would never buff a blade. I bluff handles, but I'm very well aware of anything that can grab, and yeah. um, nothing like nothing that can like grab on the one while it's spinning downwards. Yeah, I um, anything, Racco? Yeah, I I. I've done a lot to get away from buffing blades, but I've also kind of got back into it a little bit, kind of experimenting some more with my blade finishing processes. And whenever I'm buffing a blade, I always make sure to keep whatever edge is up, whether it's the cutting edge or the spine edge that's up towards me, facing my eyes that I could see, I keep it kind of kicked back towards me so that the little you know, the buffing wheel, the mops are, are a lot less likely to catch that edge because when it catches that top edge that you're closest to or your eyes are closest to, that's when the thing is going to get pulled out of your hand. It's not the bottom edge. Um, and so, it, and I'm usually making chef's knives, which have some nice width. So I'll start by buffing basically the center line of the blade. And I'm using only uh, maybe six inch buffing wheels so they're not super huge um so it's easy because they're smaller i'm it's easier to kind of stay in that center area of the blade but as i get out towards the tip i make sure the tip is kind of pointed downward um because it, obviously as you get towards the tip it's narrower uh and the likelihood of it grabbing it are a lot higher but if it's tips already kind of pointed downward then it's less likely to get ripped out of your hand um and then I'll work my way towards the lower edge, whatever it is. And then I'll flip the blade over and I'll start in the middle and then I'll work my way towards the lower edge, basically kind of like gently moving the, uh, the knife up um, so that the buffing wheel is in contact with that lower edge. Um, but yeah, in the heel, along the spine, those are always like the scarier places to do any buffing work because it is very easy to grab stuff and rip it out of your hands. I've had knives ripped out of my hands, like mm. almost completely finished knives too. And astonishingly, haven't ended up with one in me or just smashed into a hundred pieces on the ground. Um, but I, I, I would never count on that. I think the other thing you can do, if you do plan on doing a lot of blade buffing, is to build some sort of housing around the buffing wheel. So only exposing the portion of the buffing wheel that you want to use for any of the buffing purposes, but otherwise house the rest of it so that if the knife or something gets pulled out of your hands, it either goes into the housing or the housing stops it from really like picking up a ton of speed and flying around or coming back at you. Um, that, those are things that you can do to kind of help protect you. Wear gloves. Wearing gloves is helpful. Um, but... No matter what, it's always going to be a little hairy. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't wear gloves um, simply because it's, you know, it's a turning wheel. Your, your glove could get picked up as well. But if, I think if for those who don't buff, I mean, if those who do, it's quite obvious. For, for those who don't and you may be thinking of buffing, 
Um, if you think of the buffing wheel, um, if you put it on it onto rather than str- obviously you're, you're straight on when you're buffing, but if you look from the side, you want to be hitting that wheel at sort of four o'clock. So just past that sort of halfway point of the wheel. Mm. Um, if you go any lower, it's at risk of, sort of grabbing it away from you. If you go any higher, it's got risk of pushing it down. Um, so about four o'clock. Um, but yeah, honestly, a, a clamp and I sort of double brace things as well. So as well as the clamp, I'll have a screw in the in the in the two by four. Mm. And because I skeletonize my handles, um, I can always put one of them on it. So if it does pull, it's not going anywhere because. It's not being screwed down, but that screw is stopping the, the knife from going forward because it's in a hole. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it, a few simple things, and you should be safe. Now, when you say four o'clock, it depends on which way your buffing wheel is going. Your buffing wheel should always be coming down towards you. You yeah, never want you it to have be it the other way. The, but you could have it. But you could have it on the, the left or the right side. You can go backwards yeah, and it, forwards with some motors. So my, so my, I would be. But the left or the right side would still be going down, though, wouldn't it? Down towards your feet. Down towards That's your feet. You but the go. four o'clock yeah. would, four o'clock would be four o'clock. Okay, if you're looking, okay, gotcha. I got you, girl. On the side, yeah. I got you, girl. I got you. Yeah, got me. Look at you. Okay. Look at you. Okay. He's got a second part to his question. Also, where can I get some good sanding belts? Any discounts available? <laughs> well, funnily enough, we've also, we already mentioned combat abrasives. Um, but um, if you want more stuff than just abrasives, you could go to maritimeknifesupply.com because they sell combat too. Um, and if you buy 10 belts, you get 10% off. Um, but they also sell everything else you possibly need. Um, steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, the lot. Maritimeknifesupply.com. Who wants to take the next one? I'll take it. Uh, S- got- go ahead. Go ahead. SBG Knives says, good morning, gents. Just curious if you guys have dealt with stabilized, stabilized wood warping off a full tang knife, uh, meaning the end of the scales are lifting off the tang ever so slightly. Uh, any tips to fix that? Uh, have a great day, fellas. So he's having an issue with the forge scales mm-hmm. warping off of the tang. So it must be after glue. Oil. No, the stabilized wood. Stabilized. The stabilized, stabilized wood. Oh, what did I say? Yeah, I think it's. You said the forge scales. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I think as Jeff has said previously, there's the stabilized wood and the stabilized wood. There's no standard for it. There's some bad stuff and there's some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, I suppose you get what you pay for. Um, uh, but also if you're doing your own stabilizing, it can, it can, it can change. On, funny enough, where you are in the world as well. Um, because you you can only pull so much pressure, um, d- depending on where you are, and some places you won't be able to pull as much pressure as others, um, so it won't stabilize as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd personally just steer away from using that supplier again, personally. But um, what do you think, Jeff? That's I mean, I've I bought scales from places and they're they're cupped, and and it's not mm. they're cupped after they're cut, so it's it's clear that they moved it a little bit of move you know and um there are ways in which you can fix that uh one way would be well when the, the the interesting thing is is i mean obviously flattening the the scales beforehand but a lot of times if stabilized wood expands it's not going to expand out it might expand up so it expand over the sides of the steel so it's, it's right. getting wider it's not getting longer or getting thicker Sometimes it gets thicker, but a lot of times it gets just wider. So um, 
you got to just – I mean, I have in the past um, – I had some non-stabilized walnut that I had, and it started to kind of grow a little bit. So I sanded it down, made sure I made sure there was extra epoxy in the in any kind of cracks and stuff like that, and then I held on to it for a while. Um, obviously, a third Corby bolt is nice in the middle if you're worried about cupping and stuff like that, but uh, – plenty of space for lots of epoxy to fit in beforehand and uh, clamp the shit out of it and, you know, cross your fingers and kiss your ass goodbye. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Not much you can do if, if it, you don't, if you don't know that it's the stabilizing going to work and you can't tell until time passes. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of that might be causing the handle material to warp after glue up, uh, especially scales, handle scales. Um, is that you're you might be grinding with dull belts which is creating a lot of friction and heat on the outside of the handles versus the the portion of the handle scale adjacent to the tang is not getting as much heat um and it could cause some funk for sure as well hmm. mm. maybe yeah i say go okay. to use g10 that's what i say <laughs> G10. Stop fucking G10. around. Get some G10. Yeah, get some yeah. G10. We also have lots of we have listener feedback. We have a lot this nice handmade tools did a good job. Uh we have still a ton of rookie moves that uh, people sent in. So whatever you guys want to do. Okay. Let's just do one more from Josh Got Knives. Um because um Josh, Josh, will only complain if we don't pick him up. You know what he's Can like. Can you do his impression? You used to do his impression, impression of him like like uh, five years ago. What were the ago. googly eyes? <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't remember. I can't remember what we talked. did either. He's, he's, he's very loud, I remember. Um, What's up, KTP? <laughs> with an exclamation, of course. And you could tell it's Josh he's with it, without the name. KTP exclamation. Quick question for Morocco. Is there a calculation for how much loss there will be on a Damascus billet from start to finish? I think I've heard about 30%, and if so, would that be per weld or in total? Thanks. JSK, out! <laughs> uh, it is hard to calculate, um, and a lot of it has to do... I, yeah. It, it, uh, it has to do with how much uh, like how much time you even just like let the, the billet soak in... in uh, in the forge and develop forge scale because then that forge scale eventually gets knocked off and and uh how how well are you consolidating the billet because that will inform how much junk you have to cut off the end you always have to cut some junk off the end um i i'm trying to create my patterns in as few weld cycles as possible um just because to to help to help conserve my material really more than anything um but I, I've never really sat and tried to do the math. Thirty um, percent seems like a lot, but I could see losing thirty percent through multiple like four or five weld cycles. Um, or if you're doing a ladder pattern, like a ladder, you're gonna lose more material pressing in a ladder pattern or Texan swind or a raindrop pattern, whatever you want to call it, or even a textured random pattern. Because you shove that texture in or you cut material away to create the texture. And then you're 
flattening back out again or grinding those ridges and those peaks out to get down to the bottom of those valleys. That is also a ton of loss in material. Um, so I could see, yeah, for sure, especially uh, like a with a ladder or or random pattern losing 30% easily, if not more, possibly upwards of 60% of, of your billet is gone. It just gets ground away. And that's part of the reason I actually don't like, I stopped doing ladders a long time ago because one, it was super time consuming, but two is super material. It was such a material waste. Um, I hated it. So I stopped doing it and started doing more mosaic, more mosaic work. Um, there's less loss, but there's also higher risk with the mosaics, but you do it enough and, uh, you, your, your risk starts going down. That's what I got. Experience, experience, right? Yeah. That's what happens with experience. experience. All about experience, ladies and germs. Okay. Let's do some listener feedback. All right, guys, listener feedback. If you want to send us some listener feedback on past episodes or whatever, or whatever you want, you go to knife talk on Instagram, knife talk podcast on Instagram and shoot us a DM. First one comes from our friends at Trojan Horse Forge, makers of the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. Here's a note. Uh, we, last week we were talking about carbon monoxide in your shop. And he said, he, um, I think it was Sean, my bad, Sam. I said Sean last time, and he sent me a message. Because I thought it is, it's, Scott, it's Sam Evans. But I said Sean, thinking of Sean Evans from Hot Ones. So he gave me a, a, he, gave me a <laughs> joke. he laughed at me. So I, Sam, I know it's you. Uh, Trojan Horse Forge says, on a note on carbon monoxide from the last episode, we have two carbon monoxide detectors in our shop. They're inexpensive, and every smith should have one in their shop. It builds up fast. Uh, it builds up faster than you think. Keep up the good work. We look forward to starting every Monday off, every Monday morning off with the podcast. I actually have two. Uh, carbon monoxide detectors, and I never thought I'd have them have them work. And one day they went off, and mm. I was scared because I didn't have forges on or anything. It's because I'm I'm up against a garage, and they were running their the motors, and all the carbon mm. monoxide was kind of feeding into the shop. And I Tasty. luckily had the doors open. I had the doors open, but as soon as my carbon monoxide detector went off, I was just like, what the fuck is that? What is that little thing that I bought all those years ago? Why is it on now? Mm. And I opened the windows on it, and I said, are you motherfuckers trying to kill me? <laughs> so, yeah, get some – they're pretty cheap, carbon monoxide. They're cheap. Something to remember with them as well. Don't put them up high like people do with smoke alarms. They put them up high because smoke rises. Carbon monoxide will, is, will stay low, and, you know, because it's heavier. Mm-hmm. So put them down um, Close to the floor, not in the. Oh shit! Mine, will, mine are like five feet off the ground. I, I must have been I almost almost keeled over then if I didn't have. Oh, that's a good thing you're six foot six. Six foot six. Six foot six. Giving me six extra, four, five extra inches. I'll take him. I'll take every one of them. She says. There you go, Atta boy. Corey Phillips. Corey Phillips. We were talking about uh, Japanese San Mai, I guess, last week. And Corey Phillips says, I have some insight on Japanese sand mai carbon migration. That's what it was about. Carbon migration to sand mai. Okay. Hitachi makes white and blue steels. Takafu Specialty Steel makes their interpretation of them uh, as well as their own steels like VG10. Hitachi makes higher carbon steel versions of the steel specifically for sand mai and forge welding. For example, they have white number one steel. Maker in question, Fujiwara, actually forge welds their own Sanmai billets in-house. Oh. Uh, they put borax in between the layers of the core steel and the stainless outer steel and heats it up to 
900 centigrade until cherry red with and welding t- welded together they pioneered sand mine modern kitchen knives yeah so all right there you go i hope this all helps right. yeah the answer was yeah okay perfect job paul jansen says in regards to on the after show last week we we're talking about uh dorian and the uh facebook uh, us judging this facebook competition and right. paul jansen mm, wrote yes. i was thinking about entering the facebook knife contest but I don't know if I can take you guys breaking my balls about how bad my work is. <laughs> That's not going to happen, Paul. Don't worry about that. We wouldn't. I mean, that was my reservation. That you know, we who are we to be critical? You know, other people. So I'm sure most of it is better than the stuff I could produce. So yeah, well, we certainly would be critical without a doubt. In all seriousness, I don't know how well the judging would work. I looked at the rules, and it's based off pictures and no hands-on judging. So it seems like at the very least, it would be hard to get a feel for the work. Look, this is going to be a Facebook thing. It's, it's a nothing, you know, this is not like, you know, people aren't going to be flown to Aruba when they win. This is like, you know. I'm going to <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah, there's no, no one's going to Disneyland. Maybe somebody will go to Disneyland. No one's going oh, to maybe. Disneyland, Paul. And, and just to let you know, Paul, just you writing this makes it seem like the fix is in. So if you're thinking about getting in this thing, and we know you and you're a listener, don't write stuff for the listener feedback because then all of a sudden if Paul Jansen wins, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he's a big listener knife talk and fixes in. Yeah. yeah. Screwed up there, Paul. We love you, though. You send in a lot of good shit. But <laughs> I'm ready. We should do it. It'll be fun. Who yeah. gives a shit? We're going to get our balls broken. We're going to get our balls broken worse than you, Paul. I mean, <laughs> Craig, and, <laughs> True. Yeah. Craig and Mareko and I are going to get, oh, Mareko, the golden child, they ain't going to be touched. Me and, me and, Mare, me and Craig are going to get our asses handed to us. They're going to be too <laughs> no, afraid of the, the Blockmeister. Don't worry about that. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy 
corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, Man, OTB Knives says, listen too. to this listener feedback. Oh, tell us. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. I want to hear Block's story. Well, I mean, I think you saw this, the story post, but somebody was started a uh, an apparel brand around knives that looked basically exactly the same as my my Smith & Bard line. You know, like the chef and the, the heavy and all the different shirts and apparel and stuff that i do and so i had to confront them and fortunately fortunately it wasn't some i guess some shitbag from wazarabot or wherever trying to just rip it off um he, i guess he looked around he talked to some people nobody had ever seen that style design before so um we worked things out he's he's not nobody's be never seen it. that style before <laughs> isn't that the isn't that the NBA? Yeah, style it's that like you the NBA. Off? It's like every major league sport <laughs> event. No, no, no. But just <laughs> golf, bat, baseball, fucking basketball. No, but in the knife, using it for knives though. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't. So think it, it all worked out. You have that. to you have to beat his brakes in. No, fortunately not. Although the slacksmith, I think, was starting to beat his brakes in <laughs> a bit. So I appreciate the support, everybody. We worked right. it out, though. Well. So, anyways, didn't have to do any blocking. Mm. So everybody can. All right, good. All right. So OTB Knives says, good old OTB Knives says, listener feedback. I spent the last four months listening to the podcast from the very beginning every day while at work. I'm a welder, and I work 10-hour shifts Monday through Friday, and this podcast has made those days fly by. Since then, I've officially started my knife gig. I can't thank you guys enough for the company, the laughs, and a few messed up welds. Must have been, <laughs> must have been. Uh, there's a couple of good messed up weld parts. Probably when uh, Ben Jam and Cocker might have been the one who fucked his welds. <laughs> it's always Benjamin Cocker. Ben Jam and Cocker might have been one. the one, but you never know. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, I can't thank you guys enough. I look forward to finally listening to the podcast up to date every week. Now, time to to listen to. Full blast, rock on, gents. So nice. Tim Kingsford from Australia says, "Drill bit talk. Tungsten carbides go through everything, even hardened steel, but they also break if you look at them wrong." Thanks, Tim, for that. I mean, that did nothing for us, really. That was a, <laughs> no. Um, and then uh, we have a couple more, but I want to give a shout out to our friend J Mod Knives. He says, "Here's some listener feedback. What's up, gang?" I'm going to have to agree with Jeff that TikTok is a complete waste of time. I don't think I said a complete waste of time. Um, my brother is one of those you-know-what-you-should-do kind of guys and told me to start one. It'll be good for business. I have twice as many followers on TikTok than Instagram and haven't had one client from that app. They all come from Instagram. Even if I do get one customer customer from that app, it's not <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I didn't say anything. Well, if I, I didn't say. I didn't say anything. I said customer. I said customer. Stick. That is going to stick. No, it I've is had a not. Few of them. Even if I do get one customer from the, I know what you thought I said, but I didn't. Okay, 
Craig Lockwood, get your mind out of the gutter, you clam, you. Uh, even if I do get one customer from that app, it's not worth all the time and effort making dumb little videos. I think people using that app legit have zero attention span. Just my two cents on marketing and other platforms. Cheers. Hope all is well. So, Jmod nice. Yeah, it does seem a different type of person using TikTok. What the fuck? I mean... Who's I mean I hear these I hear knife makers say I'm on TikTok I got like a million followers and it doesn't do anything. How does it work? Th- How does TikTok I work? That, I don't think they're making money them selling their product. I think they're making their money just for being on TikTok, as in, you know, some people are getting paid for the views and all the rest of it. Um so but I don't think it's they're not, they're not really getting click throughs and then people going on buying products from them. I don't think that's that's what people use it because for. what person who's got you know money to spend on a knife is like fooling around with TikTok unless they're looking for mm. some titties, you know? <laughs> right? Quite true. Quite I mean, true. You know, so and with that, Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to even knife talk.net forward slash eat. Um, that will then take you to Soul Ceramics. They are a distributor of Even Heat. Um, they've always got some in stock. You're going to get $75 off the list price, and you're going to get free shipping in the US. So I'll put that description, that link down in the description, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Get yourself an Even Heat. They're the best. We all use them. Okay, what else do we have? We have rookie moves, and we have one why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? Let's start with the why me, why me, why does it always happen to me? Uh, this comes from Will from Maine. Will from Maine. So if you want to send us a why me, why, why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? It happens to be something where it's something that always happens. We don't, you don't know why, and we try to see aside. We try to look through all the different angles and figure out what the problem is or you know, blah, blah, blah. So this one comes from Will from Maine. Why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? Guys, I wear, sa- I wear safety glasses religiously. When making up pretty much, uh, religiously, when making, but pretty much hate every pair I've ever worn. Yesterday, I somehow managed to whip myself in the eye with a rubber-coated metal wire twist tie thing that, while removing it from the bar, it was attached to. And because I wasn't making anything and not wearing safety glasses, it took a chunk out of the corn- of my cornea. Fortunately, oh, the eye doctor says it'll be fine and it'll heal in a few days and gave me some antibiotic drops and sent me on my way. Do any of you uh, have safety glasses that you love? I'm thinking about getting some frames with some scratch-resistant lenses that I can wear all the time. The scratches that regularly safety glasses uh, accumulate are a big reason why I don't have them or uh, I'm not putting them on my eyes at my own risk. Mm-hmm. So, mm. why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? <laughs> Anyone have safety glasses they love? Face shield. Well, I'm always <laughs> wearing glasses. Yeah, yeah, I wear I wear a face shield when I'm grinding, but I, I'm always just wearing glasses anyway. Um, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure these aren't you know. Well, I know they're not safety glasses, but they, they will stop you know dust, dust and bits flying out into my eye, I suppose. Um, but geez, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, I yeah, I, bad. I I used to wear. Oh, I mean, I guess when I'm forging, I wear like a standard pair of eye protection. But I used to wear. Or when I first started out, I tried like regular uh, eye protection and then goggles and like different types of eyewear, all kinds of shit, and nothing worked. And I ultimately had to get a face shield because stuff just kept getting in my eyes. And you're not going to be able to do this for very long if you keep getting shit in your eyes and you can't see a damn thing. So I just 
go for the face shield now always especially when i'm doing something more aggressive than like forging if i'm doing any kind of grinding cutting any any of that kind of stuff even sometimes when i'm uh like cleaning up the grinding room and i'm using my pressurized air i put on the face shield um and when i'm using my porter band i put on the face shield because even when i'm wearing just regular eye protection stuff still gets in from the top and from around the edges and it drives me crazy um hopefully i I have it on my shop wish list uh this year but i want to get one of those power caps like what craig has i love those things or i think i like it they look great and they're cool they're cool i'm not i'm not sure how um sort of crash resistant that shield is but um, again, with you know just you know light stuff coming at you, it's it's, it's gonna just gonna sure. protect you. Um, but you know, for people who wear glasses like myself, they're great because you don't, you know, you have got a normal mask where everything fogs up and all the rest of it because you get this this cold air. Right. Well, I, I, always, I have a beard, and so that positive pressure in the mask will also Ooh. help. <laughs> no, I'm not bragging about it. It's just I always have a beard. It's not what I have right now is not necessarily the best situation. Yeah. Would you consider shaving your beard? Yeah, I mean, sure, I could. There's a picture I've, of you. I've, I saw there's an old picture of you where you have yeah. no beard. It's quite a look. I know. You're, quite, you're quite enamored like a, by this, it. You really like it. I'm telling you, you there's this look. You've told me this you multiple have this times look before. Your arms are folded. That's your always picture. Yep. And you have no beard, and that nose of yours, and that chin. <laughs> and that nose of yours. <laughs> you got a great nose. You got a fucking great nose. That fucking great nose of yours. The right. picture you look like it was a very royal, regal nose. All right. Yeah, I'm it. telling you, man. I, I don't know. Every, all you fucking guys with the beards, I don't get it, man. Never going to get it. Jeff's, Jeff's getting the horn there. I'm going to tell everybody about Knife Print. Knifeprint.com. <laughs> Um, if you are looking to get into any sort of um, CAD work, design work, or even if you already do it, um, knifeprint.com is great. It's CAD in the browser. You don't have to download anything, no licensing, anything like that at all. Um, it'll render in 3D so you can see exactly what your uh, your design will look like. And the best part of it, it does what it says on the tin, knife print. Press print, and they'll cut one out for you. You pick your steel, you pick your thickness. Um, and they'll uh, either water jet cut it or laser cut it for you and send it straight to you. Um, so go take a look, knifeprint.com. It's an amazing, amazing service. Okay, what do we have? Speaking of facial hair, um, just a side note. <laughs> facial hair is, to me, it's like, go ahead, do whatever you want. The New York Yankees are down in spring training, and most of them have mustaches, and they all look dumb. In pinstripes, the mustaches, they look like old-timey baseball players. These are young guys. They, they look weird. I, the mustache, the, none of it, I never understand any of it. God bless you. I don't know why I even brought that up. All right, rookie moves. You guys want to hear some rookie moves? Always. All right, and if you guys have some rookie moves, I have a rookie move that I thought about today that happened a couple of days ago. So uh, Nice Handmade Knives, who are, are, is the best bit developer we've had he's got two monsters is really resonates with our with our with our audience he says maybe it'd be cool for the listener to send in their rookie moves or rookie moves that they've done in the past when they were first knife making or first doing whatever and then they would tell us all so um leonardo lee our old friend leonardo lee says when i first started messing around with metalwork i poured a crucible of molten aluminum into a plaster mold that was still damp, and it exploded, and it gave me a few scars. Yikes. Wow. Okay. That's not good. 
Uh, Red Isles Forge says, in the last episode, you guys asked for rookie mistakes. I was thinking I hadn't been forging long enough for that, uh, only to check my steel order from Maritime Knife Supply and realize I bought two different widths of steel for Damascus. Uh, Inch and a half, 15 and 20, and two inch uh, 1084. Guess I'll have to narrow the 1084 and use the off cuts for canister. That happens a lot. People get the wrong, they order the wrong steel. Sure. Well, it's a rookie move, though. Plumly Knives says, how about this? How about stacking your Damascus billet and then adding a work tip, uh, adding a work stick to the top of your stack so when you get it up to heat and you go to press it, go to the press to squish it together, you realize that the stick doesn't go on the top because that's where you need to squish at. Dang rookie move. (laughs) What are some good rookie moves for Damascus that people should stay away from, Mareko? Um, I think... I think try well. I think a big one is trying to work the the billet from the edges too early. Um, make sure you get a, a full. I like to get a full compression across the whole width of the or the length of the billet um, in the initial weld setting because I want it to com- completely compress the entire billet. Um, not a ton, just you know maybe an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch. Um, and then I think, oh, something I see a lot of are people running a weld bead all the way down the side of their billet. Maybe their billet's like four and a half inches tall. It's completely unnecessary. You only have to run it like maybe a quarter of an inch or three-eighths of an inch because what you're trying to do is recreate um, basically a thick plate or a piece of steel that would be on either side that would help prevent the rest of the billet from starting to bow out or warp as it's heating up in the forge. Um, but you don't have to go across the whole side. You only need, like I said, about a quarter of an inch, three eighths of an inch. Um, and so the rest of that weld is just unnecessary, unnecessary weld getting included into the billet on the sides along the edges and if you're doing patterns like w's explosions or something like that that's not where you don't want that to end up getting shoved into your pattern um yeah so that's what i got for oh i think another one would be go go ahead i'm sorry (laughs) i was gonna say um i think another one would be working too hastily or or feeling like a, a, a unnecessary sense of urgency to like get it done quickly as possible because you're going to burn all the carbon out of your steel. And that's not how that works. Um, try to keep your temperature at like a couple, like 2,100, 2,200 degrees for carbon steel and let it take its time. Don't worry. Don't stress out. You know, some of the heats I'm like, I'm letting the billet sit in there for up, especially initially upwards of 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes to just like soak and age the weld and that's not destroying the steel in any way. So that, that would be the last one. Craig, do you have any rookie moves offhand that you can think of? Um, heat treating, um, get everything ready and do like a cold run first. So by that, I mean, get a cold blade and pretend you're pulling it out of the oven where your oil's going to be or where your plates are going to be, whatever you're using. Because um, so many times when I started, I, I just get excited. This is the exciting bit. You know, I'd be like, wait, here we go. 
not think about getting everything perfectly ready. So you pull something out, then you've got to step over stuff and the stuff across the other side of the room. It's, it's yeah, it's no good. Make sure you've got everything ready. Do that cold run just so you know everything's in, in, in the right place. Make those moves as so economical as possible so you can get stuff done quickly. Mm-hmm. Jmod Knive says, here's a rookie move, not greasing the arms of my press for four months. And the placement of the press was next to a vice where I did a lot of my grinding. I had an arm on my press seize recently, and it took a lot of work to get it running again. I thought I was a, I thought it was she was a goner. Lucky it's back in action. Make sure uh, I just may I just make sure no metal scales or grinder dust gets in the arms, and I grease the arms every other time I use it. Take care of your equipment, ladies and germs. Yeah, that's a rookie move. Is I have a I have a tire hammer. I grease the shit out of that thing all the time. I learned that from Jesse Savage. Jesse has got a a little giant, 25-pound little giant. This goddamn thing has got like a cocoon of grease on it. The whole thing, stem to stern, top to bottom, it has got a, a, like a, a quarter of an inch thick of, of <laughs> said jizz, but I meant to say grease <laughs> all over it. He loves that thing. Wow. <laughs> it's a little giant. He, he loves his little giant. <laughs> but it's it's greased to the max and uh i uh my my tire hammer i grease the shit out of it before especially before i use it because i'm afraid of that same thing and phrasing the seizing up yeah um yeah. right i can tell everybody about dharma steel um if you're looking for a, a stainless damascus um it could be bloody difficult to make yourself or you could go to dharmasteel.se and pick some beautiful, beautiful stuff. They got some amazing patterns. Um, always coming out with new patterns as well. So uh, you know, if you haven't looked for a while, go back and take a look because beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, they're Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Take a look because you'll see the kind of stuff people are making with it. They're always special, special pieces. So dharmasteel.se. If you create an account there and you make a purchase using Knife Talk as a promo code, they'll give you ten percent off too. Go take a look. They're the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't stick, did it, last time? No. I'm going to try again. Yeah. They're the shit. <laughs> well, it's up to you. we got a couple more of these. We can do whatever you want. Your call. Yeah, a couple more if we got okay, them. Okay, uh, this one comes from Matt Fusco. This is sounds terrible. My biggest rookie move was leaving a can of spray adhesive next to my forge. After oh, 20 boy. minutes working in my shop, a giant fireball erupted behind me. After putting the fire out and not knowing what the hell happened, just that my shirt was now sticky, I find a can of spray adhesive lodged in the insulation of my ceiling. Long story short, the warning on the aerosol cans are no joke. Yeah, that falls in with uh, uh, oily rags. Got to get rid of them too. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a rookie move that is like the rookiest of moves uh, is trying to drill a hole into a knife blank with your hand holding holding the knife blade oh, holding the knife and it turns helicopter it. and i have a move to prevent you f- and because it sucks to have to clamp something down if you're drilling 10 hole five holes to clamp it down every time it sucks hmm. if you get a pair of of uh channel jaw uh channel jawed um tongs you can hold it, and you have more of a lever. Usually, what happens is it's usually it's always like when your cl- your hand is closer to the to the to the drill bit, and then it just like torques out. But if you got a pair of tongs that holds it holds the knife, then you can hold it out farther, and then you can uh, do it, and you won't have that helicopter. Yeah. 
or or if you're drilling all the way through so you're, you're actually just on the bed of the, on the table um i've got a couple of bolts that i've got i've got in the holes there so you can just put a, a blade up against that bolt mm-hmm. you know in the direction of this that it would spin in um and then you know it can't spin you just put it up against the bolt no need to clamp it down or anything to bang 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 especially if you're doing a bunch of that it's super, super quick and easy. The spin we have stop. another one from the spin stop spin stop yes Nice. We have another one from the Facebook, uh, Instagram, the Facebook Knife Award winner, our friend Paul Jansen, who already won the award. The he, he just won the <laughs> Facebook Knife Award. Congratulations to Paul Jansen. He's, isn't that isn't that my move to announce winners early? Yeah, he's that? won. Congratulations, Dorian. Send him to fucking Aruba. Send him, Paul Jansen is going to Aruba, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I got a rookie move for you. Earlier this week, I went to reattach my sandblasting gun with the door open and the line under pressure. Well, I got a nice oh, blast of aluminum oxide media in the face and eyes. Oh, Luckily, oh, my phew. eyes are okay, but boy, was that fun. Lesson learned. Yikes. <sighs> sandblasting guns. God damn. Uh, OTB Knives says, uh, my rookie move is I use a 2 by 48 a 2 by a 2 by 42 bench grinder configured with a disc grinder attached on the left side. I started up after just replacing the disc with a fresh 80 grit and the uh, and the belt with a fresh 36 shredder belt. I uh, only needed to move it a couple inches up my work desk and I didn't think twice. Right hand on the belt tool rest left hand on the disc while it was running needless to say i have some fresh skin on my left hand now and Ugh. as they say in the army complacency kills fng so we'd left the machine on whilst moving uh, it ooh, that's a high level that's a you know look rookie yeah. moves are that's why they're called rookie moves hopefully yeah. you don't do yeah. them again well, you know yeah. My favorite rookie move is, and I do it a lot, it got to the point where my wife started to laugh at me. We had a uh, hedge trimmer, electric hedge trimmer. I'd always get that fucking extension cord. I'd fucking get the extension cord through that electric <laughs> trimmer. And I was just like, and she says, you're going to, I'd be on a ladder with the electric trimmer. And then I'd sweep down and avoiding my legs and being careful to hit my legs, but I'd hit that cord and then you'd pop and then I'd say and then and then I did it again. I did it three times on the same cord. She's like, "What the fuck's the matter with you? That cord looks like it's like a you know, it's like Frankenstein." I'm like, "Look, you want me to do this? I mean, this is how I do it. It's not good. It's not good." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I fucking cut that shit like three times. My wife started laughing. What the fuck's the matter with you? I don't know, man. I hate fucking. I don't. I'm not a yard man. So there you go. Okay. Well, tell everybody about your grinder, Jeff. Holy mackerel! I have the uh, Broadbeck Ironworks two by seventy two. This thing is awesome. And I had a nice conversation with Vince and Ryan this week, and they have a lot of great things coming up. Uh, And one thing I just saw is that they have a radius platen, not a radius platen, a um. They have a, a radius platen, right? Radius platen. It's not a radius platen. Yeah. It's a radius platen. So if you, I think it's like a thirty-six. What is it, Marco? Is that yeah, a, it replicates a thirty-six inch radius. So a uh, uh, se- or what is that? A six foot wheel overall. Uh, six foot diameter like wheel. That. Yeah. But they have awesome attachments in different, different belt, different attachments. It goes, it goes up, it goes down, it goes left, it goes right. This thing, Broadbeck is everything you're gonna need. And if you go to broadbeckironworks.com, put in the promo code Knife Talk 200, you're gonna get $200 off all their grinder packages. 
And if you put in Night Talk 100, you're going to get $100 off their surface grinder, the leather sewing machine, and their sharpening system. So go check out whatever, what they have over at uh, BroadbeckIronworks.com. Yeah, they also, just real quick, they also have the okay. new beveling cool. table uh, that tilts from 2 degrees to 45 degrees uh, for bevel grinding. It's great for non-integral blades for sure. I'm talking to Ryan right now about how we can adapt and, and make some adapts, adaptions to, to use it for integrals. But those those tilt tables look pretty damn handy. Tell you what, those bevel grinding tables. Real handy. Is. They're nice. I got one. I used it. Uh, I used it to make uh, this hunting knife. It was a lot of fun. Nice. A lot of fun using it. So what do you want to do, Craig? Shall we do a few more questions? Sure. Let's have a look. We got we got a bunch here, haven't we? So let's just try and let's have a look. I'll take this one from EDC Gearhouse. Uh, it says with okay, yeah, yeah. It says with so much experience between the three of you guys, do you guys teach slash learn things from each other often? How uh, sorry, have you learned something from each other that changed your process at all? Hmm, interesting. Look at that nice. Look at that nice question. It was a loving question, start. isn't it? I I, I can go ahead. I can definitely uh, say from both of you guys. Um, just being better about being organized and systematizing the process. Uh, I, I feel like that's definitely, um, basically being more organized. Yeah. That I've gotten from you guys and tried to implement and do a better job of because I really struggle with being organized and part of that might be ADHD. Um, and so putting systems into places that just help help it be less of uh you know getting into the shop and being like oh what the fuck am i gonna do maybe i've already at the end of the day the previous day i've made notes about where i'm at and what needs to happen next or or the first thing i do when i do get into the shop i make a list and then hit the ground running um but yeah just kind of being a little bit more organized and a little bit more thoughtful newsletters as well um you know i think both of you guys were killing it on the newsletters before i started really trying to put mine to use. Um, and so I think that's, that's definitely been something that's really helped me with the business of making knives, selling knives. Look at you. What about you, Craig? I owe everything to you guys. No, no, seriously. <laughs> I think when, when I, Jesus when, Christ. when I, I started this, I started this show. Um, when I started this podcast, I'd made, you know, a couple of dozen knives. I was a complete and utter newbie. And the whole point of starting the show was to speak to people, to learn from them. Um, and, you know, since getting you guys on then as well, you know, being, being co-hosts and all the rest of it, I've learned so much from you sort of every week. So, yeah, I'm in, in a huge debt, the two of you, for everything that, that you've Whoa. sort of taught debt, me. Debt, huh? Nice. <laughs> Take your pants <laughs> let's, off. Boy. Let's not say financial. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. You know, well, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. well i've learned a lot from the both of you too i know Mareko directly really kind of helped me with uh serrations completely and that serration my serration game is on point because you started me down the right road of of doing that and that was a huge help to me and and i was able to kind of like take what i learned from you and kind of put it into my own system which has been awesome obviously no question, the finishing game, I got a ton out of Mareko, unbelievable, forging, a lot of forging stuff, uh, integral bolsters and stuff like that, a lot of blacksmithing stuff. I got a lot finishing the coffee game, the etching, I got it all from Mareko for sure. 
and Craig too. I mean, and and Craig's gonna, Craig's going to want me to say this, and I'm going to say it. Craig sent me the first piece that I started the Color Lab series with, and I'll say it because I know you want me to say it. I know you want me to say it. He sent me this piece of fucking rainbow perspex, and I wanted to do something with it. And I thought this is pretty cool because I was I always had this problem that G10 just wasn't colorful enough for me. And you sent me some shit that was pretty colorful, and then I made something that I wanted to do. And if it wasn't for Craig Lockwood, I wouldn't be down this Color Lab game. There you go. As much as it hurts me to say. I have to help. I have to credit you, Craig, for helping me down that road. Just a ten percent license on oh, every yeah. night. That's I thought I you asked. were in fucking debt to us. You fuck. <laughs> you were in fucking debt to us five minutes, and now all of a sudden I got a license. Shit to you. Get out of here, you fucking crackpot. Jesus Christ. Well, wasn't that lovely? Fuck it, Shall eh? we? Do you want to find one more question, Jeff, yeah. and then we'll we'll head off to an after show. Um, this is from. I don't know who this is from. This is, but I've I've lost the guy's name. But it's how it's his howdy. I've been. I have a question for you all. Howdy. I know the he's from Texas. This guy probably lives very close to Texas Farrier Supply. Oh, or he could just go online if he liked to TexasFarriersupply.com, <laughs> um, where they sell everything you could possibly need as a knife maker. They also sell Indasa Rhino Wet, which is the shit. It's the <laughs> it's the sandpaper of champions. It's what we all use. So if you're looking for Indasa Rhino Wet and you're wondering where you can get it. You can get it to TexasFireSupply.com. If you use Knife Talk 10 at checkout, you get 10% off. Wow. Howdy, y'all. Okay, <laughs> back to our Texan friend. Howdy. I have a question for you all. For y'all. I've been bladesmithing for about eight years now, full-time for two. Well, I work offshore and come home and put 40 to 60 hours a week making knives. I'm looking to bringing in some extra money to the shop, teaching a few one of the one-on-one classes. I've given it a few trial runs with friends and family, trying to teach myself well to teach. I'm no master smith by any means. Uh, I just really want to share my craft with the community beyond more personally than social media. Do you have any tips for me? Much appreciated. Teaching tips. What do you guys I have think? them sign a liability waiver before they come into your shop. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's your first teaching tip. Make sure you don't <laughs> yeah. get sued. That's, yeah. What do you think, Craig? You've t- you've taught something. You've taught things, haven't you? I've taught. Yeah, I've taught. I haven't taught knife stuff, but I've taught a lot in the well, past. Well, teaching's um, teaching. Yeah, and I think it's a skill in its own right. Um, so, as much as you may be a great knife maker, teaching is a completely other skill. Um, so, yeah, if you enjoy it, go for it. I think um, you know that. The, a lot of people learn a lot when they teach too, and I think that that will you know, it'll it'll discipline you to make sure you know that craft inside out. Absolutely, or you can you know show other people. So yeah, go for it. It's a good idea. That's huge for me. Like it, it's it teaching helps me all the time, and I've been teaching for a, for a number of years different things, um, and I would highly suggest micromanaging your own time. Like you, the most important thing when you're doing a forging class is you can't have people, you know, there till midnight, you know, unless you got to have a game plan. Like when you're teaching, like you have to know. Mm-hmm. All right, so the hardest part with knife making is the heat treating. A blacksmithing class, okay, you can stop whenever you, you know, it stops when you stop. But if you need to get, if you're, if it's a knife making class, and you have to heat treat. You have to make sure that you're heat treating by a certain time, so you can temper by a certain time. And then you can finish the knife the next day. That's what, I, for Center for Metal Arts, I really have to work backwards because i got to make sure that when we're doing a friction folder class, 
that by the end of the night, all the knives are heat treated and tempered. Otherwise, the next morning, if we have to sit around and wait for that, it's a, a lot of waste of wasted time. So, working backwards is super duper important, and really like choreographing what needs to happen when. Sure. And the other thing is, as I talked to Nick Rossi, we and I had a long, nice long conversation about it on Full Blast. This is relatively new. Teaching blacksmithing recreationally is relatively new in the scope of time. And you really, there aren't a ton of different people who are, you know, it's not like an English teacher. You have years and years in history, you know, history and history and history of, of, of scholastic teaching to, to fall back on how to do it. This is one of those things that you have to really have a very firm understanding to make sure that they also have a good time. They have to, your students have to have a good time. And the crazy thing about knife making, you could do a lecture on anything. And at the end of the day, they leave the lecture. But in a, a blacksmithing class or a knife making class, they gotta end up with they gotta end up with something that they like or is good. And there are a lot of teachers out there who think like you just you just kind of like it, whatever happens happens. You gotta fucking bring them across the finish line. That's the most important thing. They gotta be mm. pumped to come back. They gotta be pumped to come back. If they're not pumped to come back, you, you know, it's not good. Yeah, I, I will say or add. I think one thing that's really helped me um, with the the few classes that I have taught was having some visual aids or handouts basically that I could give to people so that, you know, people, uh, uh, I'm teaching classes or the classes I've taught are more kind of bookwork or theoretical classes. And so people have notes, they're drawing stuff down, they're trying to keep up. And so I, so that people are getting more out of the class, I actually already like pre-draw all the notes and all the things I'm going to talk about so that they already have that on paper so that they can focus more on what I'm actually saying and what I'm trying to convey rather than just trying to keep up with the notes. Because um, I know for myself personally, one of the things I always struggled with when I was going to regular school was keeping up uh, with the information whilst like continuing to listen, actively listen while writing at the same time. It's not how my brain works. Um, but then those, those notes become references of course, that they can then take back to their own workspaces and use later. Um, and, and they can build on the notes if they want, of course. Um, but that way they, they're not missing uh, any kind of like key details or um, kind of theories or ideas. Um, because I've already written them out and presented, like, have them on paper for them. That Pro sense. tip, have some visual aids, too. For sure. Progression boards are, we would do progression boards back in the day, and it, it, it'll give somebody something that they can hold what they're doing up and say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to go. Because having the physical, the physical product of the different stages is totally it makes everything much more under easy to understand because they can actually if it's more than one person they can actually walk up and take a look and see okay this is, goes this way i gotta hit it a few more times here or i need to draw this down a little bit farther and having that progression board makes all the difference in the world because they can see it in actuality mm -hmm. so yeah go. good luck good luck howdy there we go that's the show thank you all very very much for listening we should speak to you all again next week. This show is brought to you by... Full of information, that one. I have oh, a funny boy. story to tell you. I have a funny story. Yeah, Information City, ladies and germs. Information mm -hmm. City. Yeah. So, when, Mareko, when you're talking about it being organized, 
I uh, I had a I've been I've been talking about I've been having heart palpitations. Right. And I was going to ask, how, yeah, how was that going? Is it and, and the coffee intake? Is that I bad? have what's, not, what's I haven't had a drink in a month, which is fine. I might end up just the next drink I'm going to have is on the seventh when I go to the Knicks game. We're going to a steakhouse. I can't drink water and drink a steak. You can't have water, and fucking <laughs> seltzer water when you're nothing a steak. better than just fucking wash the steak down with than water. <laughs> with the fucking seltzer water, are you crazy? So I'm planning on at least a glass of wine, at least a glass of wine. Sure. But uh, so I had a doctor's appointment yesterday. So no, I haven't had coffee, I've caffeine in three weeks. I haven't had a drink in a month. And I went to the doctor and I said to him, I'm like, he says, all right, so what do you, and I said, I just want you to know, I didn't have anything to drink for a month. I didn't drink any caffeine for three weeks. So let's take care of this. So they gave me the EKG. Everything was fine. They did the blood work. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So he said to me in the middle of it, he says, I think I'm going to give you a blood test. And I said, well, I'm not prepared. You know, when they give you a blood test, they want you to fast for a while. And I said, I don't want to fa- I, I said, well, just to let you know, I'm not prepared for this blood test. And he looks at me and goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, when I get a physical or something like that, I prepare in advance. Like, I know that what I, because I want to make sure that you, you throw away all these things that you're not supposed to have anyway. So, like, yeah, I want to go in there prepared. And he just looks at me and I'm like, yes, I, I mean, I didn't prepare for this blood test and he goes are you trying to manipulate your blood work test and i'm like you're fucking ain't right i am <laughs> of course i'm trying to completely manipulate my blood test he goes well you were supposed to have a baseline i'm like well if i'm not you're gonna tell me that i shouldn't be drinking caffeine if i already know i'm not supposed to drink caffeine i cut it out before i got here so you're not wa- yeah. i'm not wasting my own time but it was this funny conversation because he was just like you you prepare for these things i'm like yes i'm fucking organized i gotta manipulate this test as much as i can <laughs> With, like the good shit, so it was very funny because it was that was the thing he was breaking my balls. He's just like, "Are you trying to manipulate your blood test?" I'm like, "Yes, fucking yes, I am." So I said, "Yeah, you're all you're gonna find is a veggie burger and some fucking <laughs> some fucking arugula in my bloodstream right now." Mm. So yeah, it's sadness dripping with sadness. Oh, so it seems so it's so it seems as though it seems as though that we're heading and now. My next stop is I got to go to cardiologist to wear something for two weeks, and then but my blood test came back. Everything's great. I have what what what, what where what I have. They have these little monitors that like go that you wear for two weeks, and then when you start to have the palpitations, you write down at the time so they can kind of coordinate the time to look at you know it reads it for two weeks. So I might have to do that. So right, might okay. be like RoboCop for a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Gotcha. It'll be fine. But it seems as though this is all what he told me was, which he is also my, my mother's doctor. And he says, what you've been going through for the past year, it's, it seems as though it's, there's a lot to do with, uh, you know, deep anxiety that's starting to physically manifest itself. So mm. there you go. Mm. Trying to figure out ways to deal with things that are out of my control i'm not good at that gotcha. yeah. yeah did you get yes uh, yeah i don't know i oh, just sorry, think go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. a bit of time a bit of relaxation a bit of time a bit of relaxation take a week away from your peloton you'd be good see that's your that's you know as long as i've known you craig you've been giving me the same goddamn advice you you're you should just say you should just be a slug because that's that's what you, that's your advice every time. You should drink it up and eat it up, and your life's gonna be like this. Take a take a vacation, take a schwitz, take a bath, all this stuff. I I don't like that. I'm like Maybe my father. Need some, we okay. need to be you busy. Need some CBD gummies in your life. 
I had a CBD seltzer. I'm off of that too. I thought it was it wasn't doing it. It was just kind of making me logy. It was making me ugh. I just didn't like it. So now I'm down for I got the kombucha. I'm down for the kombucha. I love the kombucha. Okay. And uh seltzer water. And uh and I'm drinking fucking dandelion tea during the day. It's pathetic. You gonna start meditating, doing yoga? I've been meditating. I listen, I tell you, I tell you, I had the best night of sleep of my life last night because Peloton has a has has pel, uh meditation classes. And then the Peloton's right by the bed. So I get into bed at nine, <laughs> fucking loser. And then I, and I turn the meditation <laughs> class on. I turn the meditation class on, and the first thing they say is you should be sitting up because if you lay down, there's a very good chance you'll fall asleep. I'm like, that's what I want. So I get into bed, turn the Peloton on, breathe in deep. Breathe, 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 breathe. I'm out like a light. It's fucking awesome. So Gone. yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> Gone. It's fucking Good. great. I'm doing the I'm doing the meditation every night now. I'm just like knocking me out. This was That's the best great. night of sleep I had in a long time last night. Hell yeah. No palpitations today. So first time in a month, which was nice. Know. So Good stuff. What are you guys up to? I'm still thought nothing much. Yeah. Nothing much. I've got a. I'm not sure if I've told you guys about it, but I'm going back to Wales um, the end of March. Um, have I told you why I'm going no. back? The guitar thing. Okay, I'll tell you when we're, when we finish. I'll I'll tell you because it's what a big thing. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a lot of prep work for that break, basically. So yeah. Oh, look at you with the with the radio tease, Mister Secrets over here. Yeah, that's All a right. fucking radio uh. tease. Yeah, radio tease. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm up at the what island. About you, Mareko? For... Mareko, what? What you? Yeah, I'm up at the island for a few more days. Sorry, there's a delay on my end. It must be. Um, but anyways, up at the island for a few more days. Uh, I'm getting still working on getting things ready for the Texas show. Um, that's that's basically it. Kind of keeping trying to keep things low key, like like Jeff needs to do, so he's not manifesting anxiety and stress in his body physically. Um, no. Um, let's let let's just go th- if you want to go through it, what I've had to do it's I had to, I had to put my mother in a in a place that could take care I've, of her and I had to deal with right, all of her finances. You got a lot of it's shit going like, on. It's not. It was not, It was on, out of my control. So, yeah. um, I will say I saw something pretty cool uh, posted the other day. Did you see this project that Holly Loftus has going on? Our friend yes. from Loftus Knives. She uh, so she w- got an award. Um, so that, uh, I think it's in London. She's at a studio called cockpit studios, cockpit studios, uh, where she got like a year of her, um, rent subsidized by this award for, uh, through, I can't remember what some business, something rather, but her and her, uh, shop mate who is a guitar maker, they have a, a raffle going on right now, which you can go to their page, go to Loftus Knives on Instagram, and you can get a raffle ticket. They're selling them for just one pound a person or a ticket to uh, just so that everybody has a chance to enter. Um, and that money is going to actually go towards benefiting another artist uh, to help pay for their rent. They're kind of paying it forward. And so they're going to be doing, um, let's see, then uh, they're going to be oh. announcing the winner on the 13th of March, uh, Ides of March. Or is that the fifteenth of March? Because they did that video, um, so yeah, with the guitar strings. So the the, the guitar strings, yeah. So that's Daisy Tempest, and she's uh, a luthier, so she makes these beautiful acoustic guitars. And like I said before, it's like worlds collided because like, I follow Daisy on 
on um, YouTube, mm. and I was and I was watching her making guitars and stuff, and it's really sort of soothing watching it. Sure. And then it was coming up, it was like, well, that's Holly. Yeah. And she was doing it with her. Yeah, it was quite cool to see. Quite cool. Yeah, I randomly came across it on my Explore page on Instagram. I just saw I saw the guitar thing, and uh, and I saw a canister, and I was like, what the hell is that? And then it was Holly. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> So yeah, that's cool. So people should go check that out. She yeah. of course did. Cool. Uh, she did the all women takeover. What was that last year? Um, or maybe the year uh, before. Last year, two years ago. Possibly, possibly the year before. Yeah, now, yeah. But it was a great episode. Everybody should go back and listen to that. Um, Holly's awesome. She's doing great work. She's also part of the Artisans of Steel calendar this year. Uh, she's killing it. So go give some love and support their way. And um, yeah, I think they're doing some good stuff. Cool. Uh, what you reading, listening to, watching? What's 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 going Just on? Just finished I'm watching, watching Wednesday. Oh, you're watching Kid. Sopranos. Go ahead. How's how's uh, Wednesday? Wednesday's good. Uh, we enjoyed it, and uh, there should be another season coming out soon. But that's basically it. Then we, because we're at the cabin, we're just kind of like watching whatever, streaming shows, seeing a couple of terrible rom coms. Um, Wednesday's definitely been the highlight for sure. <laughs> All right, and you're rewatching The Sopranos, or you're watching them for the first no, time? No, I never saw it. I never saw it. Okay, uh, I saw a couple episodes, and then my kid's been really into it, so we've been watching, hitting a couple episodes a night, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. She's, uh, she's funny. She, my kid, she gets very easily influenced by whatever she's watching. So she started to get a little meaner while we were watching The Sopranos, which is. <laughs> I said that oh, to her sure. today. I was just like, you know, you were a little bit, you were a little bit meaner to me last night than you normally are. And she goes, yeah. I said, I, th- I think you're very easily influenced by what you're watching. And he goes, I think you're. She says, I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm not mad about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine as long as we're aware. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. You know, I've never seen The Sopranos. It's I, good. It's one of those ones I, I keep thinking I need to go go back and watch. I haven't either. Never seen it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's we're on we're on season four. It's I was you know. I thought you guys had both seen it. I feel like I was the only person who'd never seen it. It's 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 great. Tony uh, James Gandolfini really is something special, and uh, the guy who plays Paulie Walnuts is great, and uh, Michael Imperioli is really great. I met Michael Imperioli once. He's a super good dude, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool show. It's fun to watch with the family. They're all they're all you know. All of a sudden, my wife and daughter are sort of get They start doing that face. It's very funny when they both make. Hey, you eat my fucking meatballs! <laughs> I yeah. love Italian Craig. Italian Craig is the best. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck over Gabagool? They say Gabagool all the time, so it's funny. So cool, cool. I've been watching um, something called Dear Edward on um, Apple TV Plus or whatever oh, it's called yeah. these days. Um, really good. Um, it, it, I think it was a book originally. Um, this kid survives a, a plane crash, um, and it's all about the sort of grief surrounding that. But um, the first couple of episodes are hard, like properly heartbreaking. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's re- it's really really good. Really, yeah, it looks interesting. Really, well, about reading a book, reading a really good book called "Sort Your Head Out" by Sam Delaney. Um, is mental health without the bollocks? Is it's hmm. it's the sort of uh, subtitle i suppose um really good it's it's you know there's so many of these books out at the moment but this one is um i listened to a podcast of his and he's really funny um and yeah it's, it's you you'd almost hear him you know you hear his voice when you're reading it because he's such a funny guy so yes yeah, it's, it's a good take on things mental health without the out. bills <laughs> without the bills too <laughs> yeah 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 it's good it's 
But I tell you, I was, I was just thinking then, I, I was I was talking about that dear Edward, and I said it's about this this little boy survives a plane crash. Um, and it's, it honestly is properly heartbreaking, the first couple of episodes. But my girls now, they're, they're, they've recently turned four, and um, they're just obsessed with death at the moment. Like, obsessed. Sure. What do you mean? Um, you know, asking about, asking, you know, people who have died, you know, well, where are they and who Ugh. are they with and all the rest of it. Um, but Molly came up to me the other day and she looked really sad and you could see, you know, she, she was, you know, virtually in tears. I said, oh, Molly, what's wrong? She said, um, how old will I be? What do you mean? Before she said, "No, how old will I be at the end?" Jesus oh, Christ! Like, oh my God! That was my heart nearly just broke into a thousand pieces, and she was so upset. Oh man, just just oh, she's asking all these questions at the moment. It's just really difficult. Oh my God! You don't want to scare them, but you don't want to tell them, you know, lies. Yeah, you either. know, 80, so 82, oh. 82, 82. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you carry on the way you are, you'd be lucky to get the. Oh shit! Oh shit! I didn't. Of course, I didn't. Jesus Christ! We will get you in soft play a couple more times, and you might not make it too much longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but honestly, yeah. And it's and, and what was, was another one she said about? Um, will I be alone at the Holy end? Holy shit! And it's just like whoa, whoa. Honestly, well, what it's, do you it's say? Just what we do. I just. I just I'm terrible. I'm just like, no, no, no. I mean, you know, you, you don't even have to think about those things. Right. You know, yeah, look how old look how old grandma is. You know, she's very old. You've got lots and lots of time and, you know, these kinds of things. Sure. It's, oh, it's heartbreaking. But they're just, especially Molly, one of them, she's like deeply into, like, she's going to be a goth. I know oh, she is. She's geez. walking around, <laughs> black makeup on. It's like, oh, everybody hates me. You can tell. She's got that dark sort of, darkness in it you know it's just like oh man. those moments of, of children like realizing things on, the, on their own is pretty amazing like when my kid yeah. realized that santa wasn't she figured out santa wasn't a, a real when she mm, figured yeah. out the tooth fairy wasn't real because she says i know there's nobody sticking their hand under my pillow and then she says there's <laughs> nobody coming and sticking their hand under my pillow at night i, I know it i know it yeah. and then she kind of like yeah. questioned hillary and then she was just like once the tooth fairy fell, they all fell. So she she mm. grabbed them all. She figured it all out afterwards, and she's like, "It's all you, isn't it?" And it was like it was just really you know she wasn't upset, but it was just very much along the lines of um, resignment. And then and then the weird part was we had very close friends who told me, "Don't whatever you do." She's like, he said, um, "Don't let Lila tell our daughter that Santa oh. Claus doesn't exist." Right. And I said. Dude, your kid's fourteen. What do you? What do you, what do, you do? Why don't you? Why don't you? Maybe Lila should break it to her, or you should. You yeah. fucking wacko. And I said to Lila, <laughs> I said to Lila, I said, don't, I don't fucking tell her that that she doesn't. I don't think yeah. she's fourteen. She's probably like thirteen or twelve. It was still like we're way too old to know this Santa Claus. Yeah. And I, and I said, don't be the person. Don't be the person because you'll be in the trauma files for the rest of their lives. Lila told yeah. me that it wasn't Santa doesn't exist. Don't be in the trauma files. <laughs> Stay out of the trauma files. It's a weird one, isn't it? We tell them this this crazy lie. It's Marekko, do your kids? Does your son think believe in all that stuff, or do you? Yes. Kind of one hundred percent right now. But right it's, now, it, yeah, it's. It, it, Every once in a while, a little bit. He's he. Uh, he I think he sees through the cracks. Um, 
So yeah, but, he's going to see through the cracks at some oh, point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Don't I, let him I go give to it maybe a couple more years. Don't let him go to fourteen. Maybe a couple more years. We'll don't see. Don't let him go to 14. I won't. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't let him go to 14. You too, Craig. Papa, Papa oh. Christmas. You, You'd be like Elf, you know, Will Ferrell. <laughs> I never saw that movie. I never saw that movie. Oh, oh it's man. good. It's the best. It's pretty it's good. Brilliant. Is it? It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Very good. Anyway, should we call Fine. that a day? It's been a good one. Been emotional. Thank you all for listening. Santa's your parents. This show is brought Santa's to you by your parents. the Makery, the podcast network. If you're listening for to this show, if you're listening to this in your car with your parents, it's your parents. Santa Claus is real. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.